0: welcome back to overthinking movies i'm your overthinking host brandon hayne we've got another review of a new release so you know what that means no intro we're gonna get right into it and today we are covering another mcu release wow it feels like it's only been a couple weeks since the last one (laughs) yeah really yeah so this is oh boy this is a mcu film 29 of the fifth phase of the marvel cinematic universe we got Thor 4, Thor, Love and Thunder, once again, uh, directed by uh, Taiki Watiti, who directed Thor Ragnarok, which uh, I I quite enjoyed. And uh, it's written by him and uh, Jennifer Caitlin Robinson, uh, who I'm not so familiar with. She seems to have written mainly uh, HBO uh, Max and Netflix specials that are mainly just like slice of life pieces about uh, the relationships between women's. So I was kind of curious to see how that would apply to this movie. So, of course, we're going to start with no spoilers uh, before we get into the overall analysis of the movie itself. All right. And, of course, as you have heard, I have Overthinking co-host Alex Jalacki with me, of course, to talk about the MCU. He's my comic (laughs) buff here. All right. So, I mean, I didn't really have any expectations for this one. I... I've kind of been, outside of Spider-Man, not too enthused about MCU releases, but I did like Ragnarok, so I was curious to see how this would go.
1: Right, right. Ragnarok definitely was a strong movie. Honestly, one of my favorite Marvel movies. Not the favorite, but it would be up there. Um, not that I like particularly had a lot of drive to see this. I mean, we're honestly reviewing this because my wife saw the trailer for it and decided she wanted to... To see this, and I was like, sure, and then I figured, well, if I'm going to see this, might as well do a review on it, and then that's Brandon's kind of thinking, too, so you could see all the, the drive we had for this. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, uh... and from my perspective, the movie was about what I was expecting. It was fine. Um, within the, like the first few hours, I had it as a strong, yeah, it was fine. And after thinking about it a little bit more, I'm like, eh, it's fine. Um, and I figured that'd be similar to your op- opinion there, Brandon, because we often have very similar outlooks on movies. Is that what you're kind of thinking?
0: To be honest, Alex, no. My opinions on Love and okay. Thunder are below fine. They're edging okay. somewhere in between fine and mediocre. I, I, Myself and the audience I was with was falling asleep in this movie. And to be perfectly honest, the humor, because this is very much a comedy, about 10% of the jokes in this movie worked for me. And the rest of it, I was like silent.
1: (laughs) I agree that a lot of the humor did not necessarily work. I don't think a lot of times we say that it feels forced. I don't necessarily think it feels forced like it does in a lot of Marvel movies as much as a lot of it is just not particularly good. Nonetheless, it's not a bother. And I, I also wanted to, to to go over the um, our fine to mediocre rankings of it because uh, the group I was with, um, I went with my wife and we went with uh, two other friends. And the rest of my group was really enjoying this movie, or at least, I mean, to be fair, some of my friends we were with are the kind of people who think every movie they see immediately is like one of the best movies ever, like while they're watching it. But nonetheless, um, no, every, everyone else in my group thoroughly liked it and said, surprised me that it was among their favorite of the Marvel films they've seen. Um, Katie even seemed to favor this over Black Panther, which really surprised me because those are two different tones right there. And I would personally think that Thor or Ragnarok would be something you would like much better than this if you're just going by that wackier sort of tone. So yeah, um, if you tend to completely agree with everything Brandon and I say, you're probably not going to particularly like this movie, but some people I know do like it. It's There's not a whole lot to it, and it's silly. Some of the silliness doesn't work, but if you just want silly, then I think you'll enjoy it. That's the thing, right? The the
0: opinions I've viewed on this movie seem to sit into two different camps. There's the people that find the absurdist silliness of the movie extremely entertaining and find it to be the most entertainment value they've got out of an MCU movie in quite some time, while there's other people that found it just kind of a snooze fest, found it boring and found it kind of mediocre. <laughs> and I was surprised to find myself edging on that camp. Cause yeah, like you, Alex, I usually go into these movies and I'll, for a lot of them, I come out being, eh, it's fine. You know, it was fine. But Thor Love and Thunder was kind of a goose egg for me. It was just like, I could not fathom any emotions toward this movie <laughs> at all. And I was surprised because this is actually probably one of the more negative reactions I've had out of an MCU movie almost in general. Okay, very interesting. So, I... I would not recommend this movie, but like you said, Alex, there's a lot of people out there that could get into how kind of silly and comedic a lot of elements of this movie are. You know, humor is subjective. There There will be people out there that will really enjoy it, but in my personal opinion, I think that it's
1: not worth it. The action certainly didn't help overpower it either. I mean... You know, you get the fight sequences and some stuff like that, as you often do. And I thought the character sounded really interesting and even had a cool background. Gore, the god butcher, though it just came out feeling really generic once again. Of just another dark, powerful villain going out to do some thing that'll destroy this part of the universe with this doodad, as they always like to do in these Marvel films. To transition
0: because before i get into spoilers what i will finally say about this movie my final note is i thought thor love and thunder felt like a pale imitation of other better mcu movies (laughs) and uh with that note i will put the spoiler warning here and we'll get into the full analysis of the entire film discuss a bit of the background to it as well as a lot of the spoilers on why we kind of felt the way we did. When I say that, Alex, that it's a pale imitation, I mean that from the very opening, because this movie does once again do the... We open with the villain's origin story, which, you know, is what was done in... I mean, it's been done in many other MCU movies, but of course, what it just immediately makes me think of is Spider-Man Homecoming. But this villain story and motive is very... I don't know. It's very one-note. He had a daughter... The daughter died and then he tried to pray to a god to help and the god was like, I'm not helping you. I'm a god. You're meant to worship me and die for me. And so he kills the god and there's a clear motive and it makes sense. It's just that I just felt like it was very thin.
1: I was definitely with it as as it opened with that. I mean, even if it was thin, I liked the concept. I just uh, think what it became had very little originality to it. Um, I saw on IMDb that uh, Christian Bale did not initially want to take this part. He thought he had had enough after, you know, three Batman movies. He felt like his acting performance couldn't do enough doing all this superhero stuff. Though, so I guess his kids ultimately heard about this and persuaded him to take the role. And he did it, and we got this... So, I mean, I feel like he might have been kind of right about it. Because, again, though, a fine thing to adapt just didn't end up equaling to much. Though, I also saw on IMDb that I think Chris Hemsworth said that Gore here was his favorite MCU villain now? Okay. I mean, I guess he likes Thor stuff.
0: I mean, that certainly sounds like a way to try to to make people watch it. Um... But, yeah, I, I just was giggling to myself in a kind of shallow way when Gore on screen because I just thought, wow, Christian Bale's really pulling off Emperor Palpatine really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> because that's pretty much what the character's performance was. But, right. uh, I mean, but, you know, that's not really a problem. Like, honestly, Christian Bale's performance was kind of one of the things I like about it. I I felt like, you know, the character was over the top in a way I could get into. And, I mean, when they were focusing on him and focusing on him terrorizing the kids, that was stuff I kind of liked. Oh, you
1: no, know, yeah. You no, know, he was creepy. He had cool, you know, mechanisms for the delivery. Uh, the original comic character of Gore, who, okay, another side note here first appeared in the comics in 2013, which means that this character appeared more recently than Thor was actually introduced to the MCU. So that's kind of an interesting note. I'm not sure if we've had other instances of that yet where the MCU has been going on long enough that we're pulling in things from the comics that have happened since then. Originally, when I was looking up about him, I guess a lot of his powers were kind of attached to Noel with a k that would probably be silent anyway that would kind of have to do with the origin of the symbiotes if you are familiar with venom and carnage or our episode on that and i could see how i think they called that he has his sword that he uses and he has his power which they call the all black i believe and that from what I understand, would kind of have been similar to what would go on to become a symbiote. And I mean, I could see that just from the little bits here, even though they don't take that route in the movies. I mean, he likes to go into the shadows and make monsters out of material with that. Which, going back to the movie, I do say that a lot of the designs of some of the creepy crawlers he brings to light were really cool looking, especially when they were having that fight on that planetoid and the colorless section of whatever part of the universe or multiverse they were in. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. How he makes them like almost as big as the planet itself. And they're all like coming (laughs) after them and cornering them and, Oh, and uh, Alex. uh, So yeah, you just mentioned how Gore was a character that, was created while the MCU was coming out. And actually, that was also the case with our last movie because the girl that uh, Doctor Strange was following around in Multiverse of Madness America, she only first appeared in 2011.
1: I mean, yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been going on for how many years now? I mean, it started back in like 2008 or something.
0: Yeah, that's about right. That's when Iron Man came out. So it's been more than a decade. So it it would make sense that they would draw stuff from the modern comics, which is cool. But honestly, I'm surprised to hear that because Gore feels like a character that would have been in the comics for many, many years (laughs) with his design. Yeah, he does have that feel to it being focused on darkness. I did like how the idea of the character is that he's not so much, you know, he, he's not a god himself. He is taking his power. He's not working for somebody else. He's taking his power from the sword and his emotions are being accentuated by it. However, when we get to the end of the movie and he's praying to that, you know, that, that device to save him, it's almost like him praying to a god, which I thought was interesting.
1: Okay, yeah. No, the ending definitely worked a lot better than... This kind of ending seems to work for me, where, you know, they use love in the end to accomplish things. I, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun a, a bit right here talking about the ending, but since we're talking about that now, I thought the his decision to kind of reform himself was more believable than when I've seen this happen in other instances.
0: Yeah, I. I mean... Because, yeah, I was kind of just getting nothing out of the movie the whole time. But when I did get to that (laughs) ending and they had the whole turn there, I mean, I honestly completely was expecting that Jane Foster was not going to make it out of the end of the movie and that there was going to be something I did not expect that it was going to be Thor taking... Uh, Gore's daughter being a father figure to her but I did like the dynamic they had between the two at the end of the movie and you know that kind of played into something that was you know interesting and it leads a path open for Thor that might hopefully make a better movie and to talk about Jane Foster herself because I feel like that was the element that was actually acting as the biggest thing of hype leading up to this movie, because everybody was like, ooh, Lady Thor, Lady Thor. Because- that's
1: that's true. Um, I don't even remember seeing much of gore in the trailers for this at all. Trailers that I might add have not been out for as long as a lot of trailers might be before this one's released. I think I was looking that up, and it only came out like two, two and a half months prior, which is actually not a long time when it comes to these Marvel movies.
0: That's true. I... I didn't really hear about this movie until a little ways in, besides, of course, when it was being advertised at the end of the last Marvel movie. But, yeah, they bring back Jane Foster, who, of course, we haven't really seen much of since Thor The Dark World. Jane was never really a super interesting or fun character in the first Thor or the second Thor. She was always, I don't know, just like a very one-note character. And the thing was, in this movie, when they're showing those little flashbacks of Thor and Jane's relationship and the two of them goofing around and hanging out, I watched those scenes being like, wow, if they had stuff like this in the previous two movies, I might have cared about Jane.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, speaking of one note character in those movies. I mean, almost everything about those movies was one note. The first two Thor's, ugh. Ugh.
0: which is funny because remember how in this movie they have the Asgard theme park and they have that on stage show. Oh yeah. Where they're recreating a scenes from Ragnarok with guest Hollywood actors.
1: Yeah. I ha- I did not recognize any of them during that, but when I looked up like all four of those names, Holy moly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I of course, did know when Melissa McCarthy came out as (laughs) hella. That was funny. Yeah. Um. I, you know see, see, I liked that. That whole sequence was something that I did kind of enjoy in this movie. It was one of the few things that did <laughs> stick out to me. But honestly, I was kind of surprised, I mean, that they would be making fun of doing scenes from Ragnarok. Because I feel like this would have been the perfect opportunity to parody scenes from the first Thor, or especially Dark World, and make fun of just how, like you said, one note those movies were.
1: Right. Uh, I don't know if they even wanted to go back to those movies, because uh, that was a different team I be- somewhat right I know it was not the same writer director
0: oh no absolutely not I honestly can't even remember who worked on Dark World because that's like the most forgettable Marvel movie ever yeah honestly next next to this movie in my
1: opinion but f- forgettable for very different reasons to you I guess yeah pretty
0: much because Dark World you know it was a movie about them fighting the dark elves <laughs> and that's literally all I remember about that movie Oh, and there's like a big tornado at the end or something. I don't
1: even remember that.
0: <laughs> That's literally all I can gather about that one. Oh, and Loki was in it, and I think oh, Loki yeah, may Loki have was died it. or something. Uh, I, don't I don't remember. Know. He
1: dies like every other movie, so he probably Which they did. they do make fun of yeah, in this movie. Yeah, they do rip on that. That's yeah. good. Yeah, the dark elves one was just really dark, and then this is a complete 180 from that. Um, of course, digging down even further into kind of the wackiness established in Thor Ragnarok, but then going what we might argue is too far in that direction. Though, as we mentioned before, some people actually did think that was a great jump to make and just how silly this one is. I mean, to be fair, the-, the character does not work well in a more serious grounded universe. I mean, he's like a god of thunder who hangs out with, like, scientists and creations of science and gamma mutants while he's just floating around with magic hammers and things like that. Definitely the, the best I've read of Thor in the comics have been The Sillier Things, which, by the way, ended up being, what, the fifth movie, which I was not expecting them to make a fifth. Sounds like it's going to be about, like, the whole movie after they put Zeus in. I was really hoping, okay, come on, introduce his son, introduce his son. Because I remember really enjoying those Thor comics, which I didn't really expect to get much out of any of them compared to the other things. But uh, Thor and Hercules had good chemistry, and some good battles too. I would at least look forward to what they could have done with that, but apparently are looking forward to doing even more with. So uh,
0: yeah, so uh, Alex, what what did you think of this interpretation of Zeus with
1: Russell Crowe? Um, I think I liked it. Uh... It was definitely ridiculous. Um, but to be fair, as ridiculous as Zeus was, he was like the least ridiculous god in that room. Some of that was just what was way too over the top. Some of those things they cut to uh, you know which one i'm talking about is particularly i think
0: i think what they're playing into here is how in the original you know mythology zeus was very much not a good guy and he would do a lot of horrible things sure and, enough. <laughs> and so playing him off as kind of this jerk that doesn't want to get involved in anything and only speaks for himself and loves himself i get it i guess i feel like what i was expecting was that Zeus would at first come out and we would actually be impressed by him and be kind of on Thor's side until it's revealed of who he really is. But I guess that would draw out the runtime of the movie further. But no, he's he's a very silly character in this uh, what, film. Yeah,
1: I, I liked just what a jerk he was. I didn't necessarily like Thor gushing over him, though. I mean, I I know he is like the king of the gods. Well, I guess Thor doesn't have a dad in this universe anymore. There's no Odin to kind of be on par with Zeus, so maybe Zeus would be some sort of figure he would look up to now. Because, as he mentions, I mean, god of thunder, god of lightning, there are similarities between them that you would think might put tension between them, and I think... If I remember back to the comics, usually the Greek gods and the Norse gods were always kind of like, oh, that's my thing. Get away from here. too you you're fallen. So it definitely surprised me a bit that they wanted to initially play off Thor being so impressed with him in the, in the manner that they did, but he got his silly lightning stick so he could go to the final battle with it. Wahoo! What did you
0: think of the mighty Thor, Lady Thor in this movie, Alex?
1: I was glad they incorporated her, and I honestly just liked the chemistry they had, kind of like talking about their relationship in shock while being in the middle of like these battles and things like that, and I actually also really did like her story where she was kind of terminal and coming to the end of her days and got this chance to do this. Though, I mean, the character herself, I don't know if they... Necessarily did as much with her as they could have combat wise she was in some battles But I didn't see anything that like Necessarily blew me away or anything like that
0: yeah, I know. I mean, I liked her. I liked, you know, that they were trying to pull back the chemistry between her and Thor, and almost try to improve upon sure, it from what yeah. it was in the first two movies. And I felt like that those elements worked because they actually were trying to give her more of a personality here. And I, you know, they gave her her moments in the action scenes, and and you know her backstory, which I d- I did vaguely know the backstory in the comics was about her dying from an illness that would be connected to her wanting the power and being able to summon it. And that stuff, you know, worked for what it was. I, of course, am slightly biased because I'm watching this movie about a character suffering from cancer, having Mm -hmm. gone through chemotherapy myself two years ago. I remember thinking to myself in the theater, wow, she kept her hair, that's pretty good.
1: (laughs) Ah, that would be
0: especially because she's stage four. You think she'd be on some pretty heavy stuff?
1: No, yeah. I mean, I stuck out to me too because uh, my dad had passed away from that and he was found in uh, phase four of that as well. So, nonetheless, though, having gone through that, I was glad. I mean, not glad that they killed her off in the end, but they didn't just like use magic to make it go away because with the technology we have right now, that's generally. Not the case, so it was an interesting twist that they were using the metaphor of the hammer taking away some of the energy that could have been used to helping her cells regenerate after the treatment and stuff. That was kind of interesting.
0: Because that's almost what I expected them to do, was that the hammer was almost going to cure or wipe away stuff but no i mean it's more just like it was sucking the life force out of her and she more was using it just as a way to feel useful
1: right before she would pass away to to live again yeah. yeah. yeah
0: which was a nice you know direction to take her character in before they would kill her off i mean i'm sure a lot of people were in the theater probably like they killed off lady thor come on we want more adventures with lady thor
1: oh but it's marvel i mean How many of their women are fated to die like this anyway?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, in the opening of this movie, we got Thor with Guardians of the Galaxy, and of course we lost Gamora during the Infinity War movies. (laughs) So, during another fated death. And I almost kind of expected the Guardians to be a larger factor in this movie because that's what they set up at the end of Endgame is that Thor joins the Guardians and that he would be going off on their adventures. And they,
1: Yeah, because at the beginning, like you can assume they've been hanging out long enough that they're all really sick of mopey Thor hanging around and they just want to get out of there. But yeah, it was fun seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy at the, at the yeah. beginning of that movie, even if it was just for a little bit. You might remember we reviewed Jurassic World... Dominion recently, and I, as I was watching this movie, I had to to whisper to my wife, I got more out of Chris Pratt in these five minutes here than the entirety of his screen time in Jurassic World. He was allowed to emote. Yep, Star-Lord, of course, is a character that actually has, like,
0: history and a background that would lead to some sort of personality. (laughs) But of course, they can't have them here too much because they have to build up the Guardians 3, which will, I believe, be the last one and we'll be bringing back James Gunn. And I hope, unlike this movie, it'll be like fun or something. Um, (laughs) Because uh, that's the thing, right? I like the ideas going on here and I like the overall structure of some of the story elements, but a lot of what this movie was doing just wasn't clicking with me. And one of the main issues I have with it is the writing of the dialogue itself. I find a lot of the dialogue in this movie messy or almost feeling like it's improvised and not in a good Mm, way. A lot of the comedy especially just feels like forced, not in the traditional Marvel way of forced where they suddenly have a character's personality change for 30 seconds so they can tell a joke. It's more like... They just have conversations unnecessarily go on longer so a character can say something stupid so that way they can turn it into a joke. And it all just feels really, really lazy in terms of writing. Like, it reminded me very much of, and you won't get this reference, Alex, but there's a moment in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Mm -hmm. where the characters are escaping stormtroopers on this, like, a hover bike, and they have a stormtrooper in, like, a jetpack or something show up, and they have the characters go they can fly now, and then another character goes, they can fly now, and then another character goes, they can fly now, and then another character goes, they can fly now, and that's the joke. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, yeah, that's the correct reaction, Alex. And a lot of Thor Love and Thunder gave me similar impressions to that. I would either cringe at a lot of the jokes, or I would just feel absolutely nothing. Uh, But I will say, the emotions that I got most out of the humor in this movie, the addition of internet memes oh. as characters in the movie in the form of the screaming goat meme is a character in this movie thor recruits two giant goats that do the internet goat <laughs> scream noise and i'm like
1: what are we doing <laughs> To be fair my group all really liked those screaming goats i mean i didn't particularly but i also didn't mind that like you said a lot of the comedy and this made you cringe. I did not cringe at really any of it. You said a lot of it just did nothing to you. I got a lot of that. No,
0: nah, I mean, a lot of it, I'm just like, come on, really? <laughs> really, that's what we're going with? But I mean, I will say, and my audience was actually pretty silent okay. throughout the entire movie. Interesting. Like the only thing that made them laugh was the goats because they kept showing up and kept screaming. Yeah at sudden moments and so that made the audience chuckle a bit uh, because you know the idea of the joke is that they're so annoying that it makes you laugh but now nah, mo- mostly i was just annoyed
1: yeah when i was pulling out of the parking lot after that movie one of the uh, my friends in the back seat did the goat scream while i was trying to pull out in the very crowded parking lot so that was that was fun
0: that makes me happy i went by myself alex thank you um <laughs> Because, you know, maybe that would have affected me if I would have had somebody with you, because that's part of the experience of watching a movie, is if you have someone with you, sometimes your emotions kind of mix together uh, in the theater experience. Yeah, that's why I said
1: I initially came out a little bit more positive than I felt a few hours later, but it was a great time with my friends. I mean, they were laughing at a lot of this stuff, so... I mean, and everyone had a good time, so what can I say? Yeah,
0: I mean, fair enough. I don't enough. think it's
1: a particularly good movie myself, but it was, like I said, I think it's fine, and it made a lot of people happy, and that made me happy.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing, Alex, is that ironically, I kind of put this movie at least somewhere near Thor the Dark World in terms of my overall feelings on it. It's, I, I would say it's above that, like a little bit. There's things I actually like in this movie. I like Lady Thor... And I like some of the character moments and all that, but overall, I kind of just came out of it going, yeah, it's another one, but woof, woof, this was like uh, lower than yeah. what I even expected out of it because, <laughs> well, because, you know, we come out of this with Thor Ragnarok, one of the most entertaining movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we get, I don't know, just like a,
1: like a pale imitation of it. No, uh, yeah, that one just blew me away when I saw it. That was the one that got me back to like really catching up with the universe actually after I hadn't really been keeping up throughout a lot of the end of my time in college, and even after that, Thor Ragnarok pulled me back in, and it's what even got me to like Thor in this universe at all in the first place, really. I mean, that was the first time I really liked much of anything to do with Thor besides maybe one of his battles with, I think, Iron Man in the first Avengers. Those two who, I think, fight a little bit in that one scene, but otherwise, yeah. I'm definitely... I'm surprised they were planning a fifth one, actually. I thought they were, this was going to be the movie they set up to retire him, but that is not the case because it ends with Thor will return, and like I said, they're finally setting up, hopefully, to, to do Thor and Hercules, who are one of my fondest memories of Thor comics, so I hope they do that, and that ends up being a lot of fun, and it ends up being a little bit more grounded, something closer to Ragnarok. But obviously not too grounded. Yeah, because,
0: I mean, just to point on a final flaw I had with this movie is that I felt like the tone was kind of inconsistent where it would be going back between really, really, like, silly stuff going on and then it would go to the villain who is killing gods and spreading darkness all over the place and having these shadow monsters come out and kidnap children.
1: Even, like showing severed heads of, like, insect monsters to children. <laughs> some of that, I mean, even though they they don't, like, inherently, like, show some of these things front and center, um, it's still enough that it could clearly make some people uncomfortable. Not me, I thought it was cool, but <laughs> a lot of people.
0: I mean, that's the thing, Alex, that's the parts I liked the most. I liked the scene where Thor and Jane and, oh, Valkyrie are chained up, by gore and gore's like talking about all of their weaknesses and trying to play into you know the things that scare them the most and the palette of the movie becomes almost like black and white and i really yeah. wa- i really liked that whole scene because it was actually one of the few scenes in the movie where i actually liked the writing but it was also me watching that scene going wait isn't this the same movie where we have A theme park Viking ship pulled on a rainbow road by screaming goats? Like, what are we doing, guys? Like, what's going on here?
1: Well, you see, they got pulled away from the rainbow, so now everything is insidiously dark and bleak without the power of the rainbow, literally, here.
0: Yeah, it's about them bringing back Keller to the world. But yeah, that that all just felt very odd because they didn't really give gore enough for me to go like, ooh, yeah, wow, because a lot of it would then be... A lot of it would be then contrasted by Thor recruiting a group of children to fight evil shadow monsters.
1: (laughs) Yeah yeah I
0: I don't know man this yeah. movie was a bust but you know there are moments there are moments here and there it's not the weakest MCU movie. But it is Not the weakest Thor movie. Yeah, it's it's not the weakest Thor movie, but it is certainly one of, which shocked me. But I'm happy to hear at least you got a little more out of it, and I'm sure being there with friends that really enjoyed it probably helped too. I
1: could imagine that would have. I think I might have still got a little bit more out of it than you, but I think I would have got a lot less out of it if I had went by myself.
0: Yeah, because I walked out of the theater, and I don't know, everybody was pretty quiet. I mean, the audience did stay for the after credit scenes, oh, but... Well, yeah, you have to, which... Yeah,
1: I waited, like, the whole after-credits thing, and it was just her going to... It was
0: Jane going to Valhalla.
1: Valhalla, yeah, and that was... Uh, That was it. Usually we get a little bit more than that, or at least like something funny or something. I don't know. It just seemed like here's a scene of what we implied was happening going to happen already. Okay, there you go.
0: Well, I mean, you know, it's a send off for Jane. We know that she's in a better place now. But I already knew that. (laughs) Well, that's kind of the thing though, Alex, is that the end credits of Multiverse of Madness were a joke. And then this is just kind of a little thing. And it's like, are the after- After credit scenes not really mattering anymore. I mean, you know, the first Avengers just had like a joke at the end of its after credit scene. But it's like, do we need these after
1: after credit scenes anymore? Because they all just feel like unnecessary. I don't know, because they're doing the necessary ones just within a a few minutes of the credits. And then they're doing the second one, which used to be the more important one at the very, very end. Maybe not enough people were waiting till the very, very end and they wanted to make sure they fit in what's ever going to be next into the the sooner after credit scene. I don't know.
0: I don't know either because, yeah, we get the Hercules tease only like a little bit into the credits and then we get just like this, okay, yeah, that's that's a thing at the end of it. So I hope they retire that because I don't want to have to sit through the entire credits just to see, okay, yeah, that was cute, I guess.
1: (laughs) Although... I don't know why I'm going to go into the debate the lore of this but the one god said that there is no afterlife at the beginning of the movie to gore but then there is an afterlife if you're of the the Valkyries and the Asgardians and you go to Valhalla I mean is there only an afterlife for some people and not all in this this universe, this multiverse?
0: Maybe. I mean, it, it seems to imply that they would have to die in battle to go to Valhalla, so does that imply that...
1: But yeah, because Thor makes that direct reference, but also Jane dies well after the battle. Even though earlier in the movie, Thor specifically says you're, to the other woman, oh, your leg would be there because it died in battle, but if you die now laying here, you won't go there. Maybe Thor just doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to Valhalla.
0: But Alex, she was not battle. She was battling cancer.
1: Oh. Huh? Uh, I yeah. guess? Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is a battle. I mean, it's true. So I guess, but I don't know. I mean, that's a way you could I'll, phrase I'll, it, but I'm sure they I'll, meant it actually by
1: i way. I'll try not to let the existential crisis of what happens in the afterlife in a fictional universe not keep me too much up at night. Someone dies
0: of cancer and they go to super whimsical <laughs> Thor <laughs> afterlife, even though they're not an Asgardian. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: Well, I guess because... I don't know if that was only for gods or not, but I guess she became a god when the hammer chose her, which we don't really get a whole lot of explanation about. Not really. It just kind of happens. No.
0: Because when we get that scene where, and just, you know, quickly to go over this before we cap off here. That scene where she actually does see the hammer, and while she's standing next to it, the hammer starts to move, and we see this thundercloud appear overhead. I thought that was because Thor was going to be in the area, and he was making the hammer move. Not because she already was making the hammer move on her own will.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, she was. They say in her backstory that, like, she was sick, and then the the hammer came to her, and and then she became... I guess she didn't really know what happened there either, and I guess nobody really does, because Thor didn't seem to know why suddenly she was this either and the hammer went with her. I don't know.
0: Okay, well, I mean, I will at least say that the the relationship dynamics between the different hammers in the movie were <laughs> some of the humor that worked for me.
1: Really? I thought that was some of the stuff that got too goofy with Thor and his axe talking to it. It's okay. It's just you and me against the world, babe.
0: I mean, I thought it was a little forced when he's... You know, talking to his old hammer and the new hammer's like, Bleh. but I, some of the ways they uh, shot it like that part where Thor.
1: Okay. When it just like creeps into there, that, that, that shot was okay. I'll give you that.
0: That was funny, but I mean, look, Alex, I'm, I'm, I'm just grasping at straws here because it was like one of the few things in the movie that got, <laughs> that gave me like emotions and feelings and the rest of it was like, so bog standard. Sure. Enough. So, and, and even below that. So Yeah. That's that's Thor, Love and Thunder. I certainly do not really feel any motion that strong towards it, but I'm happy Alex got a little more out of it. And, of course, Alex, thanks for joining me. I'm happy for once that we're a, on slightly different camps this time around and not just agreeing. Sure, but...
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> right I mean, I, too, don't necessarily recommend it. Um, again, though, if you don't necessarily agree with Brandon and I's recommendations. You might be in the camp that feels differently. And if you are planning to see it, see it with a group. Yeah, see with some friends that will
0: you think that will enjoy it and that might help out if you if you have to go see it. (laughs) Otherwise maybe look up the plot synopsis or a YouTube video giving a recap, otherwise, because this one was I don't know, like I said, it put me to sleep. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. I'm sorry for our lack of energy in this episode, but the unfortunate fact is when the movie barely gives us anything to work with, that tends to be how it goes. I hope this isn't a downward turn for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but 29 films in, if it had to happen at some point, I guess it would make sense it would be now. I guess we can hope the best for Black Panther 2. In the meantime, if you have feedback on this episode or suggestions for movies or other podcast topics you'd like us to discuss, you can send those to overthinkingmoviespodcast at gmail.com. And for more episodes of Overthinking Movies, as well as the other podcasts made by my team of talented co-workers. You can find those at goldhitswkva.com, star967.com, and wchx1055.com. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you can find your podcasts. You'll probably find Overthinking Movies by searching it. And if you can't, let me know. I promised last time on the podcast that I was going to review something old and probably much better, but the opportunity to review this new release kind of just came up. I really need to stop making promises or predictions for what the next episode is going to be. But I'm pretty confident that review will be coming up next, which is of a movie related to Jurassic Park and is about theme parks, but not about dinosaurs. And it's also a good movie that's entertaining, so that should probably make up for the last two films. For now, I think that is gonna be a wrap.